G'day and welcome to The Grass is Greener. My name is Tim Henry. I'm a financial advisor in Melbourne. And every week, my guests and I dissect your everyday challenges. We'll get you clearer on your goals and give you financial tips to make it happen. Another week has passed. We're back chatting about our Plan Your Retirement series. And this week, we're exploring the lump sum that you need to fund your future life after working. Big question, one of the most commonly asked questions, how much do I need? I've got an awesome guest today, Catherine Belford, who is not only a financial advisor, but also a certified money coach. Catherine runs a business on the Sunshine Coast called Focus Wealth. That's a financial planning part and money coach through a company called Joyful Money which is kicking off in in a bigger way. Uh, For those that you don't know, um, money coaching is really exploring the behavioural aspects of people's relationship with money. And and so it's a fantastic combination of skills that Catherine's got there and she really brought that into the interview. We did chat about that lump sum. That was the, the focus of our discussion. How much do I need? We did, of course, flip that back to how much do you want to spend? And, you know, it's really an interesting um, dynamic there. It really does depend on the client to some degree and how much you want to spend yourself. But we did really uh, hone in on how that helped you frame it up a little bit. Uh, We talked about the different types of assets that um, you might be coming into your retirement with. and how they differ. You know, a lot of people might have investment properties. You could have super, cash, shares. We explored a few of those and the different characteristics because I think it's really important when you're coming into a phase of your life where you're needing to generate some sort of passive income, you've got to think about how those assets are going to do that. And we really did hone in on that. Throughout this discussion, what you really get is Catherine... Um, I love a chat with Catherine because she's a great, um, loves a chat, but she's really coming at it from this behavioural side too and I think was re- made it a really uh, meaningful discussion. So enjoy the chat with Catherine Belford. If you haven't done so yet, hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Well, welcome to The Grass is Greener. Catherine Belford. How are you, Catherine? Hi, how are you, Tim? Oh, really good. Um, all the better for having you on here today because um, I think we've been chatting for ages about you coming on. Um, so really excited to do that. Um, you come on to, we'll have a bit of a chat with us about, give us some insights into you know, the lump sum that might be needed to fund your future life as well as give us some insights into that planning. But before we do that, I really would love you to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, both personally and professionally. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for having me today, Tim. It's um, great to finally get on your podcast (laughs) as well. (laughs) Um, Obviously, we've known each other for many years. I've been in the finance industry for, gosh, 15 years now. And, um, you know, I've worked in multiple roles, you know, working within or working with financial planning businesses as a business development manager until I decided to take that leap 
um, back into advice and start my own financial planning business. And that was actually nearly five years ago yeah. when I did Time that. Flies. So it does, yeah. And, you know, it was a time I think you probably remember when so many financial planners were starting to exit the business as well. Yeah. So for me, it was an opportunity to build a business. And having been in so many financial planning businesses, learned the, you know, what to do, what not to do, <laughs> and I guess how to become a bit more unique yeah. as well. So, you know, my business is not just focused on helping people with their money, but helping them navigate their life transitions, you know, and this could be from, you know, purchasing their first home or starting their first investment to creating wealth for their retirement yeah. as well. And as my business has progressed, I felt there was a, a real gap in there as well around what I was doing. You know, I could build a great financial plan, say, here you go, clients, this is what we're doing. But if they didn't have the right behaviours in place, mm. then that could just fall over. So I... Not just um, could, like it does for many clients. It does. It does. You know, we, we, you would know and I certainly know that we put structures in place, but exactly right, if the behaviours um, don't align to that, uh, structure's really no good, is it? It isn't. And so I embarked on a journey to become a certified money coach. And I'm really, I guess, still in the middle of that process. I've been doing money coaching for a while now with mainly my financial planning clients, yep. but actually developing a whole new business separate to financial planning as well. So, you know, it is really around helping clients transform their personal and financial lives. And, you know, that's my focus. Um, personally, I'm married, have three adult stepchildren, and last year we made the big decision to leave Melbourne, like so many, and transition up to the Sunshine Coast. And, <laughs> you know, so that was a big move. <laughs> well, uh, before we came on, I was telling Catherine how I ran in um, a three-degree weather this morning, and she's been out for pedalling, probably um, riding the bike, and had to put the sun cream on up in the Sunshine Coast, did you? <laughs> <laughs> well, not quite the sunscreen, but it certainly wasn't no. probably two degrees. Oh, no. So was, I think it was about 15 or 16 Beautiful. degrees this morning. Beautiful. So a little bit different. And yeah, it's definitely, a, I think, a healthier and happier life for us. That's what, you know, like what we all want, yeah, we want to beautiful. create that. Well, I feel as well, um, Catherine, that we're sort of hot off the press with um, your money coaching business, Joyful Money, because um, you just kicking that off in a big way and you've got a website underway and all that sort of thing. So look out. I do. Yes. Very, very exciting. Thanks, Tim. Awesome. Um, cool. Well, no doubt you've got clients of many ages. Um, and we've been doing the series uh, around uh, just helping people think about what are the different areas they've got to consider coming into retirement or whatever we want to call it. <laughs> Lots of people don't like calling it that. Um, but as you mentioned the word transition before, um, you know, what do you specifically enjoy about helping people who are approaching well, this transition into the retirement years? Yeah, I think you're right. In, it's funny, the word retirement. I think people think it's a finality of work. Yeah. But, you know, that transition can be different for everybody. And when you start talking to clients around what that, you know, what their life looks like after work or do they continue to work, it's different for everyone. 
you know, I, I do see a lot of clients in their 50s. I find that's a time that they then think, oh, I'm an empty nester now. My kids might have moved out or they might be going to uni. They're, I guess, less of a financial burden to them. Yeah. And so then they're like, what do we do next? Like, okay, this is our time. We might have paid off the house and things like that. So they're focusing on, well, what do we want in our life? And whilst money's a big part of this, it's actually thinking about your own future and what that looks like, a bit like us transitioning up to the Sunshine Coast. Yeah. You know, it, it's going, well, hang on, what does our world look like now for us? And, and do we want, what do lot, we want it to look like? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, you know, because we've – I think often lived in a bubble and we've, this has been our life, you know, it might've been paying for private school fees. It might've been just getting the kids through school and, you know, working and doing what we do. And I think COVID in itself has had that real impact where it's had people think, um, I actually don't have to stay doing what I'm doing. I can shift and working from homes shifted a lot of that mindset as well. Um, You've probably seen every, person out there is in Europe at the moment. I feel like I'm <laughs> one of the only ones that's yeah. not Holding in Europe. Holding the back here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, you think, well, people are probably realising, well, don't wait for these things. I feel like what retirement used to be was, okay, I'm retired now, I can do the things I've put off doing until retirement. Yeah. Whereas now a lot of people are focusing on, well, what do I want to do now while I'm still able. Yeah, fit and, and healthy, mentally able. Exactly. And I sort of think of a um, – I like the word transition because, you know, I'm in my 50s and and start thinking about, okay, well, of course, wouldn't it be good to have a situation where you're still working and enjoying it, maybe not in as big a chunks as what you do currently, and then starting to introduce – more time to do all the things you want to do. And, you know, so I sort of think um, it's exciting to maybe think about those things. But I think there's a big difference between just thinking about them and then saying, look, I actively will, I need to start putting some pegs in the ground and and, and working out, well, when will I start making some of these a reality? Mm. And a lot of fear. I think people hold a lot of fear around change. They're used to, say, earning a certain amount of money, living a certain life, and going to a financial planner can be scary because it's like, well, what are you going to tell me not to do or you you can't do this anymore? I think people feel like that's what would happen, whereas (laughs) it's actually the opposite. It's like, okay, how do we create a great lifestyle or continue a great lifestyle? but put strategies in place to put you in a much better and healthier position for later on as well. Yeah, awesome. Um, well, I think you would get this asked, this question, as much as um, any of us. Um, it's probably the number one question I'm asked, either in the street, in the pub, playing golf, whatever. The quiet just word on the side, how much do you actually need to retire? <laughs> do you get that? <laughs> I do. And I think it's a fascinating question. And, you know, my answer is always, well, how much do you want to be spending? Yeah, that's right. I think um, I often sort of think, I feel like um, people think we possess some sort of secret and, and, 
and we'll have insight into the answer. But I really think that the answer is within reach of any client, isn't it? It's they have to establish what they want to spend um, and how much they're going to need. Yeah, definitely. And I think, um, you know, because if you ask someone, well, do you want your income to drop and what you're currently earning, yeah. how many people would say no? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Yet reality is that you probably can't continue on the income you're on unless you do something to build the wealth. Yep in the background so that's really the reality for so many people but if you don't start how do you ever get there and you know I also think comfort looks different from one person to another you know they have that the terms of oh for a comfortable retirement I think is it like $65,000 yeah nearly 70 now nearly 70 yep CPI of course um but you know I know for my husband and I if we were given $70,000 a year that's not comfortable to us. Yep. We, you know, what we you would want, want more, more yep. for that comfortable life. So I think it really depends on the individuals and too, what you want to be doing, how you want to be enjoying your life and, you know, also what sort of luxuries you want to have yeah. as well. Yeah. Well, uh, interestingly, we did have um, Asperon, uh just recently and, and we talked about those levels, the modest and the comfortable, um, I, I sort of think, and tell me if you agree, is if you don't actively say, okay, well, I want to know, firstly, do, do people know what they spend now? Now, a lot of people do, a lot of people don't. And quite often um, I'll have that question and say, well, it's probably the best guide to what you're going to need is, what you're spending now it's going to be a a derivative of that maybe slightly less or maybe about the same um and so if you can't don't even know what you spend now it's a bit hard to know what you're going to need in the future isn't it oh totally and there's such a um i guess a bit of a misconception out there like a lot of people think oh when i retire i won't spend as much money whereas i find that that probably between let's say you did finish work at 65 between 65 and 75 is probably where you're going to spend most of your money because that's the time when you yeah Yeah. and it's like okay what was on my bucket list what do I want to achieve before I die what am I capable of doing while I'm still as you said fit and healthy so you know that you know they'll want more money in that time of their life as opposed to when they're 75 to 85 to 95 And really, when we get to the bottom of, or bottom of that is, um, the simple fact is, if if people choose to get to retirement age and then say, "Well, tell me what I can spend," then the the answer is going to be pretty finite, isn't it? It's just going to be, "Well, here's what you can spend." If you do some planning coming in, then you can start to say, "Well." how does what I want to spend look with what I've got to put towards that now? Uh, now, it might be looking good, it might be on track, or you might need to do a few things in the, in the 10 or 15 years to to make sure of that number. So just two totally different approaches there because one's got the ability to impact it and one doesn't. Mm, yeah, I, I, we were talking earlier and I said about our financial planner and, 
you know, I've had a financial planner, my husband and I, for many years, and we started financial planning for retirement when I was 30. Yeah, right. Beautiful. <laughs> so my wealth or transition to retirement wealth now, yeah. I'm so much ahead of the game because I've done that that I don't have to worry about getting to my 50s and having to make big decisions around my lifestyle yeah. because I've started that early on in life and I do it with clients. I've got clients in their 20s that, you know, where we might put a bit of extra money into super because the difference that will make for their retirement is massive. Yeah. Oh, I think it gives you, it's going to give you and them options, you know, and I think that's the key word we've we've touched on it uh, previously is whatever retirement looks like to people, you know, whether they want to retire, not retire, not sure when they want to retire. I, I really feel like if you've got options, you feel mm. empowered. And if you don't have options, you feel uh, disempowered. Oh, totally. And, you know, we want to have a healthy relationship with money. We want to feel in control of our money and that we've, you know, we've got strategies in place that, you know, provide for our future as well. Whereas if we don't know and we have no idea, I actually have so many clients that come to me or people that come to me and go, I don't know how much I earn. I don't know how much I spend. And I'm like, wow, okay. So you're starting from ground zero to get them to understand what they're actually doing with their money. And also too, if they continue as they are, what the impact is for their long-term as well. Yeah, good. Um, one of the things I did want to touch on is, uh, you know, starting to get a little bit down the technical <laughs> track, but many people come in with differing structures or asset types. I often think of the per, the client type of client that might come in with a lot of investment properties or property. Now, I've definitely had retirement people turn up as new clients and say, look, we've, we thought we did everything right. We've got all these properties, but we've got no money. <laughs> so we're, we're barely getting by. And so, you know, it's a bit of a uh, trying to get the mix right for the life that people want. Um, what are the most common assets that you see that people have got uh, coming into um, you? Look, definitely, I mean, I think super because everybody from a compulsory yeah. perspective I think one of the downfalls for self-employed people is they don't focus on this and they don't treat themselves as an employee of their business and give themselves those. Yeah, super, definitely. And I find that depending on the age, especially if clients come in their 50s or 60s, they've often inherited cash. So they'll have a big chunk of cash. They've got no idea what to do with it Mm. and they want your support. So I... Properties, yes, occasionally, but if it is a property, there's I tend to only see them have that one property. Yeah, they've got the house they live in and one investment property, which is generally around the corner from where they live. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, well, I mean, on that with the, the various assets, I think um, one of the biggest aspects I was really hoping to unpack is this transition. And it's a bit of a mindset, I think, uh, from being an accumulator of assets. Uh, to then, as you're starting to think about making work less of a, a part of your life, you know, you need 
to your assets to start generating an income for you. So um, I just want to sort of explore that a little bit, you know, how that becomes important to have the appropriate mix of assets that can do that for you. Mm, like you said, that person coming in with like lots of properties but no income. Yeah. You know, they've obviously got a lot of debt associated with their investments and I think that's what you've got to be wary of. And also too, having single assets as opposed to multiple or diverse or diversified yes, assets. Yes, I agree. As well. You know, I, the old adage, don't put all your eggs in the one basket, is so true. Like we often focus too on our ability to earn an income is the only way we look at income. Yep. It's just us working. Whereas, hang on, what about building and creating um, diversified assets and investments that produce other income streams for us? And we often don't think about that. And, you know, I think that's really where the key is. And, you know, yes, we might have some debt associated with them, but we need to make sure that the debt is reduced over time, especially by the time we get to retirement, Mm. if it is a property, for instance. And again, is that rent going to be sufficient to provide that income stream for us? Yes. Often it's not. So, you know, we don't want to just be property heavy. We want to have, okay, do we have a share portfolio? Also, the other thing is, you know, I always say to people, you can't sell a kitchen, you can't (laughs) sell a bathroom if you need cash. Whereas if you've got an investment portfolio, which is made up of, say, you know, some shares, there might be some bonds in there you've got the ability to actually sell these assets in a time where you might need a lump sum or you might start needing that um, strategy where, okay, well, I need to sell down assets every month because I need an income stream. Yeah, it's that liquidity, isn't it? I think that's a big thing uh, for people and I often think that that's something that requires thinking ahead, Um, a combination of, I just quite often see that people during the accumulation phase of their life, um, it's all about, you know, just getting more assets on the table Um, and then thinking about, yeah, how are you going to draw money down? What sort of income is it going to pay? Can I easily sell something off? And also, I think the other factor is, and you've mentioned super as, as the main thing that most people have, but we know that super is really effective for tax in retirement. It's tax-free. So, you know, I'm guessing like a lot of uh, financial advisors, you're working with people to help them get an appropriate amount into that tax-free pot. Mm, definitely. And I think people get so confused with super yeah. They, you know, for one thing, young people don't, or a lot of people don't see it as their own money. The other thing they look at is I can't touch it, but they also get confused with what superannuation actually is. And it is basically just a tax structure to hold your investments. Yeah. And I think people understanding that more, it's like, you know, we're not just throwing money into this pot and don't know what's happening to it, we're actually investing it. And as you said, like it's such a great um, investment strategy for tax, um, for building wealth, creating that passive income stream. We've paid tax generally our whole life working. It's the one pool of money that effectively when we get to 
60 if we're not if we stop working we'll we can access it tax-free yeah and i think as well on that topic of of maybe not fully appreciating super is a lot of people don't even appreciate that you can choose how your money's invested in this because i know i hear a lot of people say oh look i don't like shares and that so i'm not a big fan of super and so Mm. yeah quite often i've said that as well to people where it's like well if I said there was a scheme where you could only pay 15% tax for your whole life and then it's tax-free later on, would you be interested in that? Um, of course you would, but also you can choose to be conservative. If if you really don't like the volatility, um, you can choose your own adventure there, can't you? Oh, definitely. You know, again, it's, I think, understanding your level of risk, but I also think with the fear, um, our underlying fears, depending on our age, so depending on what's happened in our past affects how we see different investments. Like for younger people, they've seen property just go up, up, up and up. So there's a real bias to property because people just think that property will just continue up. But for older generations that were, you know, buying property in the 90s or lost, you know, I know my parents lost money in property in the 90s. And, you know, when they've seen that, then they're not as, you know, property focused. They're more, okay, well, we'll put more money into shares. So, you know, the share market, because of the media, we see up and down, up and down, up and down the volatility. And so it just promotes so much fear and um, risk and you think oh gosh like you know it really depends on what people listen to whereas you know if we set up a strategy we're investing we're doing it for the long term what we've seen especially over the last hundred years is that shares and property can do really well yeah. but it, it's not about timing the market it's time in the market um, putting a little bit of your joyful money hat on at at this stage um do you find that you're having to talk to people behaviorally about some of the biases they might have in in this regard whether they sometimes they might have had a bad experience with an investment or something like that and it means they never want to go back to that again and it might just be that look that was bad investment does it mean that all shares are bad or all properties bad or or whatever? You just chose a bad time of your life to do that or or something. Mm, yeah, it is. It's um, yeah, definitely behavioural. It's something I def I do explore with clients when it comes up because if they, I guess if they're not entrusting the financial planning process and what we can put in place for them, it's really impactful on them because they're choosing not to make a decision which is likely going to be a huge benefit for them because of fear. So if we don't work on that and we don't start shifting those beliefs, those behaviours that they've got, then they'll just continue on the path they're on. And so, yeah, being able to um, question it, being able to uncover with the money coaching process, we're delving into childhood as well. So parents often, you know, when you think instilled. about who's influential as a child, yeah, yeah they, they instill our behaviours. They very much influence um, our patterns. And so what we see here, 
um, feel from our parents, we then carry that on um, through our adulthood as well. And we might not realize how much it impacts us. Now, some of it's subconsciously, then, isn't it? In a lot of cases. It is, yeah. Most, probably. De- oh, definitely. Like you think about, okay, did your parents fight about money? Did they have a healthy relationship when it came to money? Um, what were the fights about? You know, money stress. Oh, my parents lost money in this or my parents lost money in that. Yeah. How often do you hear that? That's, a, that's very common. So, you know, trying to, you know, I guess un, uncover that and just be aware of it. Work on their own. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Understanding your own biases, where they actually come from as well. And then education's a really big thing. So the more educated we become, the more open we are to, you know, changing our thinking and making better decisions as well. I think it's a, it's a great combination you've got there that you you work you know, work with your clients. I think as well coming into this retirement phase, you know, there's sometimes there for all of us, so I guess we're going to look back on a component of our life that we might be starting to close down like our career and we've brought up kids maybe or we've had families and there's or we've made decisions in our life that we probably think oh probably would have been better to make a different decision there so it, it is in some ways a new chapter and and going into it fully armed with all this info that you you're talking about I reckon it is fantastic Definitely. Yeah. It's such a great time in so many people's lives and a real time for, especially if people have had kids to really focus on themselves and what they want and what the next stage of their life looks like. And, you know, it's just a lot of people need support. They need guidance to, you know, put them in a better position so they can really, really enjoy their life. Yeah. Awesome. Um, Anything else you'd like to add, Catherine, or uh, leave our listeners with? Um, look, there's one book that I read recently, yep. and it's called Die With Zero by Bill Perkins. Oh, and nice. Yeah, have you heard of it? No. No? It, look, to be honest, it really, to me, is very influential in everything I do. You know how some books you think, oh, wow, like that's, that's really hit home yeah. and you know again talking about it's not just about money it's about what are the things I want to be doing and he talks about you know when we're 30 our capacity or our ability to do things generally is you know we're probably the fittest yeah. we've ever been as opposed to 40s then as opposed to 50s 60s 70s so he talks about don't put things off and don't put experiences off or things that you want to be doing off thinking, you know, like I said earlier, I'll just wait till retirement because what what if you're not able to do them at that time? Yeah. So building, I think this is where financial planning comes in really strongly around, well, how do we make sure that we can do the things that we want to do at the time when we have the ability to do them but not disadvantage our future as well? I really like that. I've written that down. I'm going to it's actually good. buy that. I think you'll love it. It's done a good sell job there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was really key messages. And, you know, it's 
you know, I think it's really changed, I guess, some of my conversations as well with clients around what's important to you. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. Um, Well, it's been always a pleasure. And, you know, for the listeners that there will be some people listening that do know Catherine and, and some that don't. Catherine's always up for a chat. Um, we could chat for hours, really. Um, but no, it's been awesome to have you finally come on. And um, well, we'll need to make sure we get you back. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me, Tim. <laughs> See ya. See ya. Join us on the Grass is Greener Facebook group where we can connect, share, and keep you up to speed with our latest episodes. When I listened back to that episode uh, with Catherine, I really enjoyed um, listening back on it and and I even took some notes myself because Catherine just came to the table with some great insights there. I really love the combination of focus that she's got there between the slightly technical aspect of a financial advisor and the behavioural aspect of the money coach. Also really found it fascinating with that discussion around super, and I presume she's asked her customers and her clients that specific question about, you know, why don't you engage with your super? And fascinating that uh, some of those answers she had there, we know as financial advisors, when we're trying to squeeze every last drop out of out of the plan and, and make the money last, that tax element, of tax-free element of super can make a big, big um, impact into that plan. So uh, something really to think about, about your strategy about getting money in there um, throughout this transitionary phase uh, coming into retirement. If you have a topic or question that you'd like us to discuss on an upcoming podcast, head on over to our website, tgigpodcast.com.au and leave us a voice message. We'd love to hear from you. The information in this podcast is of a general nature and does not take into account your own financial objectives, circumstances and needs. You should consider your own personal situation and requirements before making any decision. If you have any concerns or questions, please contact me. That's the end of another show. Remember, the grass isn't greener on the other side. It's greener where you water it. See you later.